Hello, and welcome to Birth of Family Church Podcast. We trust that you'll find an encouraging word to strengthen your walk with the Lord. And if you're visiting the area, or if you're looking for a good church home, come check us out at birthedfamilychurch.org. There you can find our location and service times. Thanks again for tuning in. God bless. ourselves the way that God sees us. I can remember early on in my Christian walk that I couldn't let go of my failures. I couldn't let go of those things that I had done wrong. And I kept seeing myself as who I was. And when I found out that God doesn't look at who we were. God looks at whom we have become. We become new creatures in Christ. And yeah, there are aspects of our being that still makes mistakes. We still have failures. We even have things that we don't like about ourselves. But you know, that's not who we are. We're now a new creature. We've been made with a heavenly substance. And therefore, we're heavenly. And all that's wrapped up in this body that's still of this earth. And so, it's so important for you and for myself to see ourselves the way God has eternally made us. The Bible says that we are his workmanship recreated for good works. And when I began to seeing myself from the mirror of the word of God and I started to see what God saw in me it made me more comfortable to come into his presence. Because there was a time where I, 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 I would wonder if I would pray if God would even hear me. I'm talking about when I was a Christian. But when that image of who I had become because of Jesus began to reflect the truth that's in the word of God, I had this, this boldness to come before him. I had a boldness to pray because I saw the work that he did in our heart. And I'll tell you, it's almost like we have to enforce that view every day. Right? By looking into the Word of God. Well, we're going to go somewhere this morning in God's Word. Let's solicit His help, His direction, claim His eyes to see. Father, we thank You for this opportunity to break bread with you. Jesus, you are the bread of life, and you are the word of God. You liken God's word unto bread. And so this morning, we choose to eat of the nourishment and the value that your word gives us by hearing what you have to say 
and then believing it and finding a way to make it active in a part of our everyday life. We claim eyes that see right now. And Lord, we will have questions answered today. We will see new things about ourselves and what you have done. And Lord, we say that our confidence towards you will increase. That it will be easy for us to talk to you, walk with you, and commune with you. We thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Several weeks ago, I'm not exactly sure when it was, the Lord showed me something that he wanted us to, to look at together as a family. I want you to go on over to the 100th Psalm, Psalm 104, and I'm trusting I can get to this place where we need to, to get together this morning. So you're believing with me, right, that I can get it out? And you're believing that you're going to hear it and you're going to receive it, right? Hallelujah. I want to talk about the, the benefits of being in the presence of God. And over here in Psalm 100, and this is a, this is a psalm that we used to sing as a chorus. I'm sure Sharon remembers. It tells us that we can enter his gates. Everybody say his gates. So this means we're going to his house, right? We're, we're going through the gates, the entranceway into his house. And he says that we can do it with what? Thanksgiving. <laughs> I'll never forget years ago. Man, I couldn't have been saved more than a couple of months. And we were having a, a Thanksgiving uh, meal at somebody's house. This is when, uh, this, is, this may have even been before Mary and I were married. And uh, they, they knew that I went to church, so they wanted me to pray. So I became that guy that day, you know. You, you go to church, so you're now, we're volunteering you to, to pray for, for the Thanksgiving supper. Well, you know, I was, I've, I've always been a shy guy, naturally speaking. And so I didn't like to speak in front of people. And so I went and prepared a prayer to pray. And I looked at this word, thanksgiving. And don't laugh, <laughs> but I didn't know what thanksgiving from a biblical sense meant. And so I'm praying over a thanksgiving meal, and so I've got to pray about thanksgiving. And just like this, the word got inverted to me. The Holy Spirit must have done this. And I saw giving thanks yeah. instead of seeing thanksgiving. And all of a sudden, thanksgiving just became alive to me. And so when I look at this verse this morning, that came back to me, that we enter into his presence. We enter into his very a place in which he lives with the giving of thanks to him. And then we can enter into his courts with the giving of our praise to him. And so this is a picture of the, the temple that God had man build. It's a, it's a reflection of the temple that's in heaven itself. 
And there's different degrees of intimacy with the Lord. And when you go through the first gate, you're in this outer court of God's temple. And then you go into the next doorway, and now you're in an inner court, the inner presence. And then you can go through the final door, which is the door into God's holiness. A place where God allowed Jesus to make a sacrifice with his blood on the mercy seat the very holies of holies. And so we are the ones who choose to go into his presence. Did you see? I want us to see that in, in Psalm 104. He says that I, by an act of my will, I enter into his gates because I give him thanks. I enter into that next court with praise from my heart to him. You see, it's something that I'm choosing to do, and he's made a way for me to enter in. Now, going over to the 22nd Psalm, you're there in the 100th, just back up a little bit. Go to the 22nd Psalm. And here it says that talking to God, Lord, you art holy. The King James says that thou art holy. Now, we've got to be careful that we put God in such a place that we can't be with him. Understand that you and I have been made with his holiness and the bible tells us directly that you and i are now holy because of what jesus did in our behalf so when it talks about going before god who is holy and pure you're allowed to be there because he made you like himself remember we are his offspring we are his children Amen? So it says that, Lord, you are holy. Now, now look at this. This is, this is a spiritual reality. This is a spiritual truth. He says that God who is holy inhabits or takes up a dwelling place where? In the praises of of Israel. Now see, Psalm 100 talked about us going in to be with God. This 22nd Psalm is talking about God coming to be with us. And there's a difference. I said there's a difference. See, when we go into his presence, we're going into that place we call heaven. But when God comes to where we are, we can have heaven on earth. And you've all experienced this. We've all experienced this when we sensed 
a presence come into our very midst that's not of this world. It's the presence, or could we say the holiness of God. I looked up this word inhabiteth. You see it here in the in the 22nd Psalm, verse 3. This, this Hebrew word, inhabiteth. It means to be enthroned upon. Enthroned upon. There are places in the Bible that talks about how we make a place for God to sit in our midst. That we build an actual throne for him to sit down in our midst. You've all had those goosebump moments, right? I'll never forget my first goosebump moment. And you understand we're not seeking goosebumps or whatever a goosebump is. We're not geese, so. But I was at home at night. I was listening to a tape by a, a well-known minister taking notes. Uh, Mayor had put the boys to bed. We didn't have a daughter yet. And she went to bed before I did, and I was just up listening to this tape and, and after I was done I sat on the on the couch in the living room and I just started to lift my voice to God with a thankfulness and with I, I was worshiping him and, and I was giving him gratitude for what he had done for me because I was on my way to hell and he got me to see and I he helped me turn my life around and I embraced Christ and now I'm on my way to heaven and that made me happy. And that made me thankful. And that made me grateful. And I started worshiping the Lord with no music, no choir, no piano, no guitar, no background singers, just thanking him. And some of it was in was in a melody and some of it was just telling him how appreciative I was. And then all of a sudden, this scripture came to pass. And I sensed a heavenly presence come into my midst. And the hair stood up on my back and I was felt almost to the degree of being intimidated by this presence because it was you sensed the holiness of God the pureness of God the almightiness of God and that's what he wants to do in our life on a regular basis Notice that this happened because of praise coming from our heart to him. He takes up a habitation in the praises of his people. I wish we had time this morning that we could go through many of the events that God has had with man 
when he utilized his ability to come into their very presence while they were praising him to completely turn their life around. Remember Jericho, the walled city? God said, this is your city, go take it. Go take it. And uh, what did God have them to do? They just, they went around the city every day and just gave praises to God. And then on the seventh day, they, they did it again. Now, it doesn't say that the wall fell down. No, the Bible says that it fell flat. Something very heavy sat on it. Something from heaven sat on it. And God used the praises of his people to give him the opportunity to visit the earth and perform God's will for their life. I want you to go on over to Acts chapter 16. Acts 16, 16. Now the Lord has a purpose this morning. You see, God just doesn't arbitrarily do things just to do things. That he recognizes our needs. He understands what you and I are facing. And he's here to help us. And so I really believe with all my heart, because I had abandoned this message a couple weeks ago, and then the Lord just kept bringing it back to me. So I know there's someone or maybe multiple people that are either here or watching out there that this message is an answer to you and your situation. So here's Paul and Silas. Remember Paul, he wrote over half the New Testament and his compadre in ministry, Silas. Here in verse 16, it, it came to pass that they were on their way to prayer. And so they're in a city and they're ministering the gospel, but at the same time, they're going to church. And it says that there was a certain damsel, and so this would be probably a teenager. And she was overcome or possessed or under the control of a spirit of divination. And she met them. How many of you know that she met them on purpose? She was sent there by the one that was influencing her, the devil. And it says that she brought her masters or those who were her puppeteers, so to speak, those that had control over her. She brought her, she brought these guys much money, much gain by telling people's fortunes. So obviously she's a fortune teller and she wasn't doing it by any of ability that she had. She had a, a spirit of divination. 
And so this same young lady followed Paul and us, so it was a company of disciples, and, they, and, and this, this woman cried saying or yelled saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God which show unto us, interesting that this devil said us, the way of salvation. Now, this was a manifestation of the devil through this woman to interrupt, to cause a commotion with what God was accomplishing through Paul and Silas. We go to verse 18. And this did she many days. So you can see that every time these guys are going to prayer, here comes this lady in probably a screeching voice telling who they were and what they were doing. But on a particular day, Paul was grieved. And he turned and said, notice it says, that he said to the spirit. You notice he didn't speak to the girl. You know, I heard a preacher say many years ago, he says, until a Christian learns how to speak to the devil, they're not going very far. See, he knew that it wasn't the girl that was speaking and trying to interrupt their, their ministry. It was a spirit that she was yielding to. So he spoke to the, to, the, to the spirit. You know, you and I have authority over the devil. We don't have authority over people. Every person has a free will, and we can't use authority over a person and their freedom of choice. But if they're under the influence of the spirit and are doing things against you, then you can take authority over that spirit, and it will desist and stop. He turned and said to the spirit, he says, I command thee in the name of Jesus. That's the name that we use that's over every other name and over every fallen spirit. He said, come out of her. So apparently she was possessed of this spirit. That spirit was living actually within her. And that spirit came out the same hour. Now, understand that this woman was making money for these guys because of that spirit that was in her, and now that spirit had gone out of her, so she no longer has the ability to tell fortunes. Look at verse 19. And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains or their hope of making money through this woman and what she was telling people was gone... They caught Paul and Silas. They apprehended them, and they drew them to the marketplace unto the rulers. Verse 20. And brought them to the magistrates. These are the, the people who are over the, the law of that community and enforcing the laws. And they said, these men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city. 
And that's a lie. But that's what the devil does. He tells lies. They're teaching customs which are not lawful, lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, against Paul and Silas who were there to bring liberty and, and freedom to the city through the preaching of the gospel. But now the, the crowd is against them. And the magistrates rent off their clothes. These guys must have a lot of clothes at the house, you know, because you, you see so many times these guys are ripping their clothes off. <laughs> That's funny. And, the, and they commanded that Paul and Silas would be, would be beaten. And it says that they, this mob, they laid many. How many? Many. Stripes. That means they're being whipped. Like Jesus was. And then cast them into prison. And these legal guys charged the jailer to keep them safely. That meant if these guys escape, you're going to be killed. That's what that meant. So because his life is now in danger, that if he doesn't keep these guys locked up, if they escape for any reason, he's going to be held responsible. It says in verse 24, having received such a charge, he thrust them into the inner prison. How many of you know that that wasn't a room with a view? <laughs> that was a very dark place, probably in a lower part of this prison. I've heard some say that many of these prisons were built over open sewer systems. And so Paul and Silas could be over top of some canal taking sewage away from the city. In, in the midst of darkness, in the stench and in the horrible environment of the inner prison. And not only did he put them into the inner prison, it says he made their feet fast in the stocks. Well, these guys aren't going anywhere. Not only are they locked in a room in the inner in the inner prison, but now they're also chained and locked to a yoke of stocks. Isn't it interesting that you and I in life can be doing everything right, and yet we still face adversity? I should see more heads nodding. <laughs> Understand that many times because you and I are doing things the right way. That's why these things do come to us. The Bible says that the righteous will be persecuted. You see, we're living behind enemy lines in the earth. There is a kingdom of darkness. We do have a spiritual foe, and he is trying to hinder us because we represent Jesus Christ. 
we personally have no value. But because we've embraced Christ and we're following Christ as a disciple, we now pose a threat to his kingdom and what he wants to accomplish. So sometimes bad things happen to people who are doing good. And how many of you know that Paul and Silas was exactly where they were supposed to be? They were exactly where God sent them. They were doing what God told them to do. And now they find themselves in the inner prison with their feet chained to stocks. Now, I don't know about all y'all, but I know about me. And I have had an occasion where... I felt like I had my feet in stocks. And I was doing what God told me to do. And I had a tendency to kind of go, why, Lord? Why, Lord? How many of you know that that's the wrong perspective? We've got to be careful that we don't allow the enemy to distort what we're going through and then lay it all on God, and he's the one responsible. Jesus made a clear depiction between the kingdom of darkness, his kingdom of the world, and the kingdom of God. He says that that kingdom of darkness has come to kill, steal, and to destroy from you. But I have come, Jesus saying about himself, I have come that you might have life and that you'd have it more abundantly. And so, Paul and Silas needed to do something in their time of need. It says in verse 25 that at midnight, so this is the darkest time of the day, how many of you know it's also denoting the darkest spiritual time that they were experiencing? So notice what they did in the midnight of their life. When things looked the worst, when things looked like they were unresolvable, when things looked like life as they knew it was over. What did Paul and Silas do? They prayed. Paul and Silas did what? They prayed. Now, I know you guys, and I know that you're prayers. I know you're prayers. But sometimes we need to add a fervor and a high faith level to our prayers. You see, there was this well-known evangelist. He traveled all over the world. He had a library of books that was worth, in those days, hundreds of thousands of dollars, which would be millions in today's numbers. And all of a sudden, he, he, he contracted a sickness. And it began to hinder his ability to preach the gospel. 
And so in his last days of preaching the gospel and these, these events he was having with thousands of people, he, every place he would go, so I want you to pray for me that I will be healed so I can continue the work of God. And everywhere he went, he said, pray for me. Everywhere he went, he said, pray for me. Everywhere he went, he said, pray for me. And the day came where he couldn't, he couldn't physically preach anymore. And so he had no livelihood. So he started selling off his books so he could sustain life and, and visit the doctors and go to the hospital and do this. And then all of his money was gone. He was still sick. So he went to his mother's farm and decided, I'll just finish my days here. So here he was, broke, here he was sick, here he was a preacher, and now he can't preach. And he started to think. I wonder how many people have prayed for me or and are praying for me. And he started adding up, well, so and well, there's, I had all these people said. He, he came up, there was, there was probably over 100,000 people praying for him. but he wasn't any better. And so he asked the Lord and says, he, he says, Lord, the prayer can't be the problem. It's not like we're not praying. If I've got all these people praying, why am I still sick and I can't preach the gospel? And the Lord gave him a dream. And in the dream, there was this, this balance or scale. You've seen them, right? Got a tray here on chains, tray here on chains, and then there's this arm that goes across with this fulcrum in the center, right? And on one side on the tray was prayer, and it was all the way down like this. And the other tray was all the way up with nothing on it. And the Lord said, when your praise equals your prayers, you will be healed. When your praise equals your prayers, you will be healed. See, prayer is asking, but there's another element of prayer is when you believe you have what you ask for. And praise is that other ingredient that prayer needs to make it effectual. So this guy, he, he, he saw a stump out away from the farmhouse. And he decided, I'm going to crawl out to that stump and I'm going to praise God until I'm healed. Took all his strength to get out there. He gets out there. He has very little strength left, but he begins to praise the Lord. Thanking the Lord 
that he has heard his prayers. Thanking the Lord that he is healed. Thanking the Lord that he'll go back to preaching the gospel. Thanking the Lord that his will is being done in his life. He went an hour. He went two hours. He went four hours, and now thoughts are coming to him. Oh, you're going to die out here, and they're not even going to know where you are. They won't be able to find you until the buzzards come. Have you ever had any thoughts like that when you started doing what God told you to do? But he kept at it. Hour after 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 hour. And he got to a place where his praise, he, he believing that God has already done the work through the prayers that he had prayed. When they came into balance, he felt this warm goo go all over him. And his voice got louder and stronger and louder and stronger. And they said they heard him from miles away thanking and praising God. So Paul and Silas, in the midnight hour, didn't just pray. They didn't just ask. It says that they prayed. Put that up again, again Sharon, please. Acts 16.25. It says that they prayed and. They prayed and. They prayed and sang praises. Now, what do you think they were praising about? That God heard and answered their prayers. Now, check this out. They weren't shy about it. It says that they were so loud in singing praises that the prisoners heard them. It wasn't one of those milk toast prayers. In this kumbaya time of praise. They were fervent. It was heartfelt. It was an expression of what they believed. Then what happened? Verse 26. And suddenly... Suddenly. How many of you know that God still does suddenlies? Notice that the suddenly came after the prayer and the praise. Everybody wants a suddenly, but we're going to have to do what creates the suddenly. We got to pray and praise. It says that suddenly there was a great earthquake. So that the foundations of the prison were what? Shaken. And immediately all the doors were open. Not just one prison door. Huh? How many? All the prison doors were open. And not only were their stocks loosed, it says that everyone bands were loosed. Could it be? Could it be that your situation and maybe my situation 
is related to what Paul and Silas were dealing with that day. Do you think there's some people in our family that still need to be reached for Jesus Christ? You still think there's some people we work with that maybe they need Jesus Christ. Maybe some neighbors. Maybe some other associates. And the enemy's just trying to silence us, intimidate us, and keep us from being bold. You see, the prayer and the praise of two people brought deliverance to an entire community who was bound. How come they prayed and sang praises unto God? suddenly I want to encourage each one of us this morning and I'm talking to somebody out there that you've been praying about a situation you've been having other people pray about that situation and you're getting frustrated because it, it, it seems like God's not hearing and it seems like God's not answering But you see over in Romans chapter 4 in talking about Abraham it describes that great faith gives glory to God could it be that your prayers need the praise and the thanksgiving from your heart giving the Lord glory that you believe that your need is now met even though you can't see it, even though you can't feel it. You see, they were praising God when their feet were still in stocks. They didn't start praising when, they, when the suddenly came. No, they had praised, and that's what brought the suddenly. Amen? I believe that if you'll start working with adding to your prayers the giving of thanks, that you believe that you have your answer that you'll get to that place where everything will seemingly break loose at once and you'll be free. Amen. Amen. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. Father, I ask that you would help us to see that yes, we're to pray. Yes, we're to ask in the name of Jesus. But you also instruct us to believe that you've heard us when we pray. You've also instructed us that we are to believe that we have what we ask for you. And you know, when we believe that, praise rises up in our heart. Thanksgiving rises up in our heart. Gratitude rises up in our heart. 
Help us to see, Lord, that we have a need also along with our prayers to give glory to you, praise unto you, thanks and gratitude unto you that you have heard us and that we have what we've asked of you. I believe with all my heart, Lord, as we practice that, practice that, that we'll see the fruit of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and stand up. I'm going to have you repeat after me. Is that okay? We're going to leave with a confess, confession of our faith in the Lord. Say, I am a believer in Jesus Christ. I am clean. I am holy. God has made me like himself. So I can be in his presence. Worship and praise is one way I commune with him. I will worship my God. Therefore, I will please God. I will live in God's presence through the giving of my praise and my thanksgiving to him. Therefore, I'll walk in a joy. I'll walk in a peace. And my prayers will be and are effectual in Jesus' name. And I just thank him for it. Hallelujah. If you believe that, you're happy. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God.